everybody who is knowledgeable about the economy knows that inflation is a big problem. You can listen to what the politicians are saying. They can kind of butter it up and put uh, lipstick on the pig and say, hey, this is great. And inflation is under control. Maybe even start a new uh, bill that they they brand as being an inflation help when in fact it's not. People who are economists and strong investment analysts know this is not true. That's why the market went down 1,200 points on the Dow while everybody was just, while, while the politicians were just going, rah, rah, look how great we're doing. Don't listen to it. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So over the last 10 years plus, we've basically have been in a situation where bonds and stocks have been really great diversifiers. So when stocks were going up, bonds were meandering or maybe going up a little bit. But when stocks came down, bonds really perked up and, and made more money. And that created a really easy way for you to have a typical portfolio of, say, 60% stocks and 40% bonds and to have reasonable rates of return with not a lot of drawdown or drops in, in value. Now, recently we have this ugly thing called inflation that is changing the entire landscape. One of the things that I've been talking about consistently is that this is not your parents' economy. This is not like what you're used to seeing. In my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint, which just, which just came out actually this in the last 12 months, it just, just came out, I highly recommend getting a copy of that just as a sidebar. Um, and But I want to talk a little bit more specifically right now. You know, yesterday we saw a big decline in the stock market because everybody who is knowledgeable about the economy knows that inflation is a big problem. You can listen to what the politicians are saying. They can kind of butter it up and put uh, lipstick on the pig and say, hey, this is great. And inflation is under control. Maybe even start a new uh, bill that they they brand as being an inflation help when in fact it's not. People who are economists and strong investment analysts know this is not true. That's why the market went down 1,200 points on the Dow while everybody was just, while, while the politicians were just going, rah, rah, look how great we're doing. Don't listen to it. What you really want to do is you want to ignore all of the things that are not related to fact. And, and uh, I want to talk about facts here today, okay? So, We've had some basic problems, again, with the stock market. And I'm going to share a screen. So uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you won't see the screen uh, and you won't see the graphs here, but you can watch that on YouTube uh, if you're doing something right now and you can come check them out later. Uh, so and, and I can share those slides as well. But I'm going to go ahead and pull up some slides now so you can see what I'm talking about. Okay, so this slide actually shows the bonds and stocks since the pandemic. Now, what we're looking at is an asset class forecast comparison. So it's we're basically looking at the what's called a sharp ratio, which is basically the total return adjusted for risk. And we're looking at global stocks and global bonds. So what you've seen here is you saw, of course, after the pandemic, we saw a very quick decline in the stocks and then uh, bonds were doing better than than stocks. You can see that because the uh, basically this gold line is telling you that all the bond market is the gold line and all the, the stock market is the blue line. And you could see that that bonds were holding up when the pandemic happened and then stocks rallied and then we were back on track. 
Uh, then uh, inflation, as we knew, and this was anticipated, this is something we've been talking about for a long time, and that's why you have to have a good strategy and long-term plan, you know, you know how to deal with these things, so it's not like crazy, wow, this is out of the blue. So, but now, notice what's happening right now. This is really, really important. If you see now, these, both of these lines are now negative. And what that means is that the forecast and the actual sharp return, the risk-adjusted returns of both stocks and bonds have turned negative. And notice that the bond market actually turned negative uh, faster than the stock market did. It, it turned negative way before the stock market did. So on a risk-adjusted basis, bonds are not as attractive and stocks are not attractive very in the very near term. So it's really important to understand what that means because I want you to understand that these this is normal. This happens from time to time and having a good investment plan is what makes the difference. So if your retirement plan is underperforming, please listen up because I want to talk about some ways, some strategies that should be implemented in our opinion and in my opinion that should be used to help you have better risk-adjusted returns. Does that necessarily mean that you're always going to be positive? No, but it should give you a better, smoother ride. One thing we know for sure, this is not your parents' economy. I want to make available to you a copy of my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint, the very first chapter you can download for free. And in that chapter, you'll learn on ways to stay ahead of the herd, how to invest in this crazy environment, and how to make sure your financial plans are on track. So go to pathtorealwealth.com and download your free copy today uh, based on history. So I'm going to go ahead and put this slide back up again and move on to the next slide that actually shows a little bit more about what I'm talking about. I want to talk about what you should actually do right now. And the first thing is to understand what is happening in the marketplace. Many, many people who are investing in the retirement plans are investing in funds, and these funds you think they're diversified, but they're really not. And I want to actually show you some data that proves this point. What this chart shows is it's, a, it's what's known as a correlation matrix. It shows the correlation of the top passively managed funds. They're all by Vanguard, okay? I took the top 10 funds, ranked them by assets under management, so that a lot of people are invested in these types of investments, okay? And a lot of mutual funds track these investments very closely. And I'm doing this to, to prove a point. If you look at the correlation or how these assets move together, even though they have vastly different names, they're actually performing very similarly. And this is a long-term, this is actually uh, several years of correlation using monthly data. And you can see that the average correlation is very, very high. One of the things that we do is we have a quantitative measure we call a diversification factor. And very simply what it does is it says, okay, if I were to just to take an equal weighted portfolio of this, this group of investments and I were to look at what my return is as a portfolio relative to the average diversification of the, the individual elements of it, how much benefit do I get from diversification? And the a number one means you're getting basically no diversification. If you get like 1.2, 1.3, that means you're getting a lot of diversification. And if you get something negative, then you're getting negative diversification or something under one. Well, if you actually look at the statistic for this group here, and you can see lots of assets are invested in this way, your, diversif your diversification factor is only 1.01. .01. So why do I bring up all these numbers? To make the point that a lot of people think they're diversified, but they're really not. 
They're really not diversified. It has little or no diversification in these big funds, even though these funds are actually have different names. They sound like they're completely different, but they're not. But what I want to talk about is how you solve this problem. So one of the things that we do is I, I created this correlation matrix of the 44 stocks that are currently in our fundamental trend uh, portfolios and, and our equity income portfolios, just to show you that you can put together individual stocks. Right now, I'm just talking about stocks. We can talk, we're going to talk about the overall uh, asset classes in a minute here. But if you just hone in on stocks, you can see that these 44 stocks have a lot less uh, uh, correlation to each other than owning those funds. So you can construct portfolios by having significantly different businesses in there, uh, different industries, different sectors, and you can create a better diversification portfolio. So if you look at the diversification factor, remember that's the number that tells you how much benefit you're getting from diversification. And I'm going to tell you why this is so important in just a second. That diversification factor of this group of stocks is 1.32. So I'm using this just to illustrate the fact that you can improve your diversification by how you select the, the universe that you're going to participate and invest in. And this is really, really important because when, when you have more diversification, this allows you to benefit from a more wide variety of environments. And so when you have a negative environment, you can have some opportunities to do something uh, in, the, in those other assets that are kind of zigging when the others are zagging. Super, super important. And this is just within the stock portfolio. Now I want to move on to another graph because this is going to actually explain another thing to do in your strategy that helps you along the way, especially for your retirement plans. And you have to think long term here. Okay, so what I'm showing you here is I'm illustrating the point that if you have a systematic method of emphasizing the opportunities that are deemed to be more attractive and underweighting those that have more risks, you're being aggressive about attacking risk, which is something Tom Basso just talked about in an episode of my, my podcast. If you haven't seen that Tom Basso episode, go back and look at, the, look at that episode and watch it. Tom Basso, a market wizard, very smart uh, investor, trader, uh, seasoned, talks about attacking risk. And I'm actually showing you how what this means to attack risk. Because we're trying to make money, but you have to go after returns while you're managing risk, controlling risk. So a systematic method of going after it. So you need to have a method, in our opinion, a strategy to overweight those investments that are more attractive. So like, for example, in this environment today, those same 44 stocks that I was showing you, you can see most stocks are lower. You can see they're, they're all on the lower end because most stocks are showing more risks right now. But there are some companies that are not, that are actually showing some attractive characteristics, whether it be from valuation, whether it be from the technicals, from the quality. And you could see we have bigger numbers. So the, the, where these arrows uh, line up, what that's showing is, is how much we're overweighting or having more than average capital invested in it. Uh, we actually use a different concept called uh, risk weighting. Now, it's really important to understand that the, the differences. We want to talk about risk control, a risk controlled process, because when you're shooting for returns, you want to maximize your return per unit of risk. That's the goal for every investor. It's a universal goal. Uh, and, and one of the things that we do is what's called risk budgeting. So this graph here actually shows 
the volatility targeting or the volatility risk budget that we have for the different stocks. So not only are we looking for which ones are more attractive, we're also saying of our overall risk budget, we're controlling our risk. How much do you want to use of your risk budget for each individual investment? So you could see that there's varying uh, risk budgets for them. So if you have a company that has less risk, a more stable company, stronger balance sheets, less volatility, you can put more money in that uh, investment and get a better risk adjusted return than all else being equal versus having an investment that is does not have those characteristics. So this is super important. Instead of just market cap weighting, I want to make a clear distinction here. When you buy most funds, you will notice that most of your money is in the largest capitalization companies, the company that are the largest companies by, by uh, market cap. That doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily the best thing to do at all times. Now, there's a the theoretical reason why some people like that. But for the most part, it is not the single factor, single best factor to determine expected return. So risk controlled processes, how how to deal with today's environment. So the other thing has to do with how much money you put in stocks versus bonds. So you remember earlier I showed that you have, we had, uh, you know, bonds were more attractive at some point than stocks and vice versa. And I'm just using those two major asset classes because those, those are the two where the vast majority of the capital uh, that people are investing are in. And in the equity bucket, by the way, is real estate. Equity just means ownership. It's not necessarily just, uh, you know, certain types of stocks. So, but what I want to show here is this is a forecast comparison or what we call our weight adjustment factors. Basically, what it means is, are, are we going to be overweighting stocks versus bonds or are we going to be overweighting bonds versus stocks? Are we going to be overweighting U.S. stocks versus international stocks? Or are we going to be overweighting U.S. bonds versus international bonds? So those dynamics, uh, having some adjustment there, using quantitative analysis to help make decisions that are smart and systematic can really help in this type of environment. Because right now, for example, you could see in this forecast with this graph, these are down towards the low of our weight adjustment, meaning that we're taking less risk, we're taking more risk off the table, and we're being more conservative, okay? So th th these are the types of things that can help investors through a, a wide variety of, of market environments. It's super important to think long-term rather than to be thinking about the short-term. And having a good financial plan in place is definitely the way to go. Uh, you know, I had mentioned to you that we have a, I put together a report called uh, 10 point checklist to be retire ready. So go to retireready.live, retireready.live and pick up a copy of that. If you're wanting to plan for your retirement, doesn't matter your age. These, it's just, it's, it's the 10 biggest points that we have found that help people make better choices when they're planning for retirement. Uh, it's just a little checklist. Go download that, retireready.live. The other thing is that the first chapter of my book, my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint, in that first chapter, I talk about why this is not, uh, the economy today is not like your parents, and, and, and you have to think in a different way. And what I'm showing you right now is what we call intelligent capital advantage. This is kind of a philosophy of, of how to invest. It's not just for today's environment. It's for all environments. It's important to have a good long-term strategy so that you can do well over the long-term and sleep at night and not go crazy in this environment. So I thought I would share that with you, that there are things to be doing right now 
in terms of how to strategize. And if you're just sitting on your investments, if you're just, you know, indexing and doing all of that, you know, when you have certain environments, you could really not do as well. Other environments, you could do great, but in certain environments, you could not do great. But if you want a higher probability, based on our research, if you want a higher probability of success with retirement planning, uh, it's better to take an approach that is more intelligent, capital advantage oriented. Well, anyway, that's all I have for you today. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.